Well, after some momentary volatility caused by a hotter US CPI print, we are seeing karma heads prevail and equities doing what they do best, rally. We're seeing good two-way flow coming through in the US dollar as the US dollar tracks US interest rate expectations. We look at the rise and rise of crypto, specifically Bitcoin. We look at Bank of Japan policy, and we also look at why NVIDIA needs to be on your trader radar. This is The Trade-Off. Hi there, my name is Chris Weston. I'm head of research here at Pepperstone, and I'm going to be joined in two seconds by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics. And we're going to be discussing all the various factors that are in this crazy world of markets, the setups we like, the flows, the movers and shakers, and breaking it all down to look at where the probabilities are in trading. Before I do, I want to take a quick moment to say that I'm absolutely humbled uh, that TradingView have just announced their various awards. We've just won the Social Champion of 2023 award with the trade-off being our flagship show and it's streaming live uh, on TradingView amongst other areas as well. And with TradingView having the biggest trading community of any platform, I think it's really humbling to, to say that we have been recognized for the trade-off uh, and also for some of the other trading ideas that we put out on TradingView. So if you're not following us on TradingView, well, you should be because we've just won an award and it's obviously great to see. Anyway, I'm going to bring Blake into the program. Mr. Blake Morrow, um, you saw it, we won the award as well. And obviously, you're you're a big part of the trade-off. So thank you very much for, for that. And obviously, for people at home who, who voted uh, on that award. So uh, thank you, Mr. Blake Morrow, for that. Well, I, I'm, I'm excited to be part of it. I think TradingView is a great platform, great uh, community. Uh, I, I, I love their charts. It's the charts that I use predominantly and, and we do with Forex Analytics as well. So great company to be associated with and to be recognized by them is, uh, is just that much better. Yeah, well, I use it over Bloomberg, to be honest. I know um, it has Bloomberg has its fantastic uh, advantages, but no, I'll use TradingView in that situation. I think it's just, if you're looking, if you're pure price action indicators, it does the job exactly what you need to do. Blake, there's a lot to discuss, so let's go straight into topical funding. I mean, we could we could we could be talking about the, the Super Bowl and, and go into depth um, and probably take that one offline. I'm breaking, I'm breaking, but uh, yeah, let's take it into topical funder and see what's going on in the markets. We saw the US CPI number coming out uh, yesterday. Well, um, and obviously, everyone's focused on the the hotter services print that came out. Core services, uh, you know, moved up quite sharply with um, owners' equivalent rents putting about nineteen basis points into the month for month clip there as well. But it was yeah, broad based increases. Clearly, the um, you know, the start of the month um, price pressures have, have really resonated. But like we heard from Charles Goolsby last night, um, you know, one month does not make months uh, effectively. And of course, we look at core PCE, which comes out. At the end of the month, we're going to have PPI numbers in the session um, in, throughout this week. And again, we're going to take those components from the CPI, from the PPI, and we're going to project them into the core PCE numbers, which of course the Fed set policy to. Um, but if we have a look at those those core numbers in, on the CPI, we have we, we obviously saw a big reaction on the day. Equities got slammed. We did see interest rate expectations getting pushed back uh, to June. Um, uh, I think you know you've got probably a sixteen percent chart. Well, uh, a June June cut now is is fully discounted, but the May pricing is is around fifty fifty. So that's obviously 
bit of conjecture. And then we've seen a little bit coming out uh, for, for the end of the year and we saw the two-year treasury being thrown around. But where do you sit now, Blake? And yeah, how, how much, are you, as a dollar trader, I know you use technicals and price action above everything else, which I, yeah, I completely agree is, is, a, is a fantastic way to look at it. But when interest rate expectations on the near term are so influential on the dollar, um, yeah, where, where are you making your assessment there? Well, I, I think you can see it directly in the tenure and you see the the, the rally in, in yields, uh, you know, across the curve, but the tenure yield looks like we have further to go. So with that being said, the dollar also- You mean further to go, like um, yields going up higher? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it looks like so. we got a lot further to go, actually. I, you know, it, I, the tenure, I, I, I'd like to look at the ZNs or the tenure uh, notes contract. Um, something that I trade periodically from time to time on on um, my U.S. commodities or you know uh, futures broker, and uh, the so because we don't have CFDs here in the U.S. So I, I was I, I keep a real close eye on that that chart, and you know if you go towards the beginning of the year, it looked like it looked like yields were going to you know crack lower, and we we're going to see an absolute absolute. Uh, rally in 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 the tenure and that's actually reversed and so now that we're seeing that reversal and we we've got more of a how should i say double top in the bond market that projects to a lot lower prices in 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 in, in the notes and, and in bonds uh that means yields are going to you know continue to climb so and, and it goes along the same lines of what i'm seeing in the dollar so uh, you know with the dollar going back to your you know um how are we seeing yields I think, and as we've talked a lot about it over the last few weeks, Chris, the market expectations were way out of whack, and I think they're going to continue to to come in line. And I think that higher yields are going to eventually weigh on equities, and uh, we probably will see the ten-year, um, you know, rally towards four fifty. Well, like, what I like, Blake, is that I think we're at fair levels now. Um, clearly, when we were pricing in seven cuts, the market was had gone, had, had sort of priced in this journey that we we're going to see a recession. That's obviously. Not going to happen anytime soon. Although higher for longer, I think if we do see a higher for longer staff, it does increase the prospect further down the line uh, of, a, of a recession. Um, but I think now, you know, we've got just around sort of four, well, just under three cuts being, or just under four cuts being priced. So three point eight, if you want to be exact, or just over what ninety or basis points. Um, and that's pretty much where the Fed are, right? The Fed have got seventy five basis points of or three cuts for this year. Um, the market's around that level as well. So we're kind of swung back to a sort of more equilibrium state. The market and the Fed are not so diverged anymore. And that's a positive situation. When we were at seven and the Fed were at three, there was obviously a big disconnect between that. But the market and, and the Fed are now pretty much really kind of on the same page, which I think is is perhaps going to reduce some volatility there as well. So do you think that, do you, do you think equity markets, this, this uh, one day sell-off that we saw would be yesterday when the inflation data came out because today we we snapped back and we're going to talk about that uh, here in a few charts. Um, but do you think this is a rally that you're you, to be bought, or do you think that uh, do you think stocks and the market are going to take notice of this? Now? I don't want to kiss it. I don't want to get a kiss of death, kiss of death, mate. But I, I just it's going higher. The equity markets are going higher. It was all option flows last night. If you have a look at the zero DTE options that came through. There was just massive buyers of calls of NVIDIA, upside calls, um, Tesla, Ford, um, Apple. It was just it was just all call buying, you know, and and yeah, that, that's gonna be the case going into NVIDIA's earnings as well. You know, it was just all options flow for me. Everyone's just buying buying the bejesus out of the market and and it's just it's just order flow that's taking through. So 
it's difficult. Yeah, the market goes down, frustrates the bears because it just goes back up the next day. It does what it's like. Yeah, well, is it, what's the saying? Yeah, why did the market rally? Because it's open. You know, <laughs> that's kind of the <laughs> saying in the market. <laughs> Hey, you know, just just for the record, Chris, I know I did this uh, I, I did this yesterday, but I'm still getting lots of very angry texts right. from people, <laughs> um, and they're all bears. So just so yeah. you all know that that, that still well, is it's, happening. It's, fr- it's frustrating. I mean, look, as we talked about last week, you can take your time frame in, and you can you can. There's there's obviously shorting opportunities for the day traders, yeah, working off high to low inch day ranges and bits and pieces. But for people who are you know, taking on those daily charts and taking on swings, trying to pick the top in this market. I mean, the market goes down, the next day it rallies higher. So you're not getting those consistent down days, which are causing the bid to go down. It's just, if you're taking off those higher timeframes and shorting the market, it's just it's just a really tough one. It really is. All right, well, let's uh, let's go to the next topic and let's talk about the BOJ because, um, you know, what's interesting, uh, we, we are, there's an opening for the BOJ and this is why I wanted to discuss this, Chris, because last week you had, uh, from the BOJ vice chair Uchida came and basically, you know, kind of squashed the idea that uh, there's going to be anything happening uh, from yield curve control. They're worried about inflation or di- uh, di- disinflationary pressures coming back to Japan. Uh, they- they're looking at all the Chinese data. You know, globally, inflation continues to come down. They're like, well, if inflation is going to come down globally, it's going to hit Japan. We can't, you know, we have to be very careful about moving on, you know, yield curve control, blah, blah, blah. Ueda came out the next day, said the same thing uh, and and kind of confirmed that. Then we saw some, you know, the yen really didn't move a whole lot. Then uh, following the CPI, we had a really strong move in the dollar yen as it's tracking U.S. yields. And, and, and it wasn't just the dollar yen, it was a lot of other yen pairs. So now you've got all these other yen pairs moving higher and you got, um, can't, Kanda, Kanda, one of the BOJ members. Do, he's the main it? man. You know? He's the man. Yeah. And he and he was he was talking about you know keeping his eye on the market, sharp moves. And the funny thing is, it, I say funny thing is, here's the BOJ. They have this this window of opportunity where if they're going to try to adjust rates, kind of do the old was it Trichet uh, back just before the European debt crisis that raised rates and then immediately had to pull them back down. 2011, again. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, I think the BOJ might pull one out of that handbook. Um, ironically, that they try to you know you know tweak yield curve control while they can, maybe you know try to get out of ZERP, whatever the case may be. But what's interesting, and I, I was having this conversation, the dollar yen. I still think the yen could weaken even further, kind of break down and see the you know yen break down and all the all the yen pairs move higher. But that's going to be the time if I was the BOJ because they're good. And they're 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 very 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 good traders. Those 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 guys <laughs> at the DOJ. Um, you let the yen weaken enough, then you slam you slam you slam it back up with a, a change in monetary policy. It's kind of like my playbook that I'm working right now. What are your thoughts about the BOJ and how they should approach monetary policy moving forward? Sorry, I just ate up a lot of time. Yeah, that's all right. I mean, I think if you're setting policy, your trading strategy by what the Bank of Japan and Ministry of Finance are going to do, I think that's. Well, you're a, you're a sucker for punishment. That seems way too complicated for me because um, you're working on headlines. But look, I mean, I think it's interesting that yeah, there's two people that you want to look out for, and that is Kanda. He's the the head of the currency situation at the MF, M, uh, the Ministry of Finance, and also you have got um, the Finance Minister, uh, Mr. Suzuki. Um, both of them came as soon as dollar yen went through 150, they started talking and jawboning it down. But no one believes we're going to see currency intervention right now. 
look, dollar yen for me is just a simple rates trade. I mean, it's dollar Swiss to an extent is like that, but you know, it's got a bit of momentum going through. People like being long because you get carried. People don't like being short because it costs a lot of money to do so. Um, but it's just a great trade. If you if you get your your wish on the ten year, we get it moving up to say four fifty. Real rates stabilize above two percent. Um, and yeah, all parts of the curve move up a little bit, maybe a little bit of interest rate expectations. Look, we're going to see new highs in dollar yen. I'm going to bring that up in a minute in the chart. But um, yeah, I, 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 crikey, I wouldn't be setting policy up. I'd be using it more of a risk tool um, and saying, you know, what is the risk now that we are going to see or hear from from Suzuki or Kanda? They're the two people that you really want to focus on. Um, and and what is the propensity if we were to see something? Um, but we, what is the, the sort of expected move that if that happens, and you know, obviously if you're not in front of the screens, you could see a 50-point drop to the downside uh, in dollar yen. What does that mean to your position? If you're leveraged, you know, does that mean that you're potentially going to get stopped out of the trade? So, you know, I, I think it's, it's, I would be looking at it from a sort of risk perspective, Blake, and I know maybe we can talk about that another time. You know, and before we move on, Chris, I just wanted to let everybody know I'm actually short yen right now. I got short oh, yeah, yen exposure. Yeah. It's going to feed into some of the charts that you go over, but I am nervous. And I I think the BOJ is going to use this yen weakness as an opportunity. Just, just gut instinct. And I got a gut. I listen to it. Yeah, no, I think the other, the other one, of course, is that we all focus on the yen and I know we're getting over time, but the Nikkei is just absolutely going for it. It's been one of the best performers this year. Obviously, it's priced yeah. in yen, so you always want to buy an asset in the weakest currency or the perceived to be the weakest currency. And so, but there's a lot of fundamental stuff that's going right in Japan. Um, obviously, money's been coming out of China, and I think it's been going into Japan as well. But um, yeah, look, I mean, if you want a momentum move, I think we're going to see new highs in 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 the Nikkei, the JPN two two five. So staying along that, um, that's also a reflection of the yen. Um, if you're nervous, I'm nervous. We could both be nervous. It's fine. Talking about nervous, let's talk about something that markets are not nervous on, and that is NVIDIA. I want to bring up NVIDIA because next Wednesday, Blake, after market, they're going to be reporting. Now, they do have the fourth biggest market cap in both the S&P and the, and the NASDAQ, so it's important for some of the trades that we're looking at. You know, it, what they say, um, what Jensen says on, um, on AI, their involvement in data sent chips, graphic cards, all these factors – will impact the, the the semis, it'll impact some of the other big AI names, it may impact Microsoft. You've suddenly got a huge pool of market cap that's going to be affected by a CEO who knows how to hit the sweet spot every single time for the market. Now, obviously, valuations don't matter for these guys at all. But what I will say, Blake, is that if we have a look at the options market, they are implying an 11% move up or down in NVIDIA on the day of earnings. So given the weighting, given the expected movement, which is above the sort of average price, average kind of moves that we see, um, we could see fireworks at an index level, not just in NVIDIA, but how it flows through into big tech, into mega cap tech. Because when we talk about MAG7, it's really... You know, NVIDIA, which are the, the, the preeminent stock, and maybe with Microsoft as well. So I, 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 you don't have to be a single stock um, trader to know that, that when if you were to see an 11% move, it's going to have implications for equity markets around the world, the dollar, rates, the whole works, right? Oh, yes. And, you know, I don't know what you really, um, you know, having this conversation about uh, NVIDIA, I agree that the importance of, of the stock. I was, you know, and I've been I've been following the stock for like the last couple of weeks. The stock SMCI when it broke out, um, it went from 350. Uh, here I, I just pulled it up on my chart. So it's it went from 350 on January 19th to where we currently trade, which is close to 900 dollars a share, and that's up 
153% in less than a month, Chris. Yep. This is another AI play. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, you've got I mean, ARM as well. You've got ARM as well. In in you know they, they, they've got that um, AI uh, side of business, and the stock had an absolute monster move. So, you know that that's another one as well. It there, and there are there. I I think it's it, I think you're you're right in pointing it out that if you trade the indices, you trade Nasdaq, you trade you you even look at the Dow because the Dow is going to be influenced by a lot of big chip makers, you know, including and then Microsoft on top of that on you know. S&P, S&P, S&P. It's, it's going to be a huge, huge mover. And so I think you're, uh, you're succinct for, for bringing it to everybody's attention. What uh, day is the earnings on Wednesday? Wednesday, Wednesday after market. So what you're going to be looking at is the cash market would have just closed. Um, the futures market will be open for another hour. So, you know, obviously you can trade this in the after hours as well. That, that, that The after hours session goes on for another three hours after that. But it's the futures market which will be open. We make our CFD pricing off the futures and we make a cash market off that. So you'd still be able to trade that. Um, but that's that's going to be the big one. I mean, obviously, when you're an options trader, you can buy and sell volatility. And if you look at that, that break even on the straddle of 11%, then you'd say, well, is it going to be more or less? And you might want to sell vol uh, against that. So, but that, if we use that as a guide, um, where implied volatility is, and actually, to be honest, I, if I if I look at um, yeah the, the skew in options in, in Nvidia in itself, if I have a look at um, one week ten uh, percent moneyness, um, yeah, strikes that are ten percent out of the money relative to to, to puts that are ten percent um, out of the money. Um, yeah, the, the implied volatility for calls is 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 far higher than that of puts, which is a rare situation. Generally, you pay up for for put protection over upside, right? But with Nvidia, yeah. it's the opposite situation. The implied volatility on upside calls is 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 actually quite higher um, than what we see on puts, and that's a really crazy dynamic. It just shows the street have been massive buyers and continue to be massive buyers of upside, um, and and that just shows you how bullish it is. And it goes back into my um, thesis of of, of where. The sort of probabilities lie in the equity indices as well. All right. Well, everybody should have on their radar next Wednesday. You'd be your Thursday morning in Australia, and if you're in Asia, uh, it's going to be a big day. And thanks well, it's going to be it's going to be Wednesday after market for you. So, like you know, um, Wednesday after market for me. Thursday yeah. morning for you guys. Right. Correct. So. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, you know, the last topic I wanted to bring up, Chris, is I want to talk a little bit about inflation, the CPI print that we got. And, um, you know, notice on the, the the subtext there, it says back when I was a little boy, you know, Chris, at the end of 2023, um, you had myself, uh, we had Michael Brown, we did a, a special show kind of showcasing how we felt about 2024 and what we were going to what we we're going to talk, what, what, what we're expecting. If you, if you guys and gals missed that really, really great episode that uh, Chris, you and the team uh, put together for all of us. And um, there was a chart that I brought up of inflation uh, in the early seventies and uh, how rates and inflation, how, um, you know, the fed actually started cutting rates and then we had a resurgence of inflation. And, and I, and it's interesting that we're seeing this inflationary pressure really kind of the the disinflation that we've been getting it's it's subsiding and it's leveling off at at levels that probably is not where the fed wants to you know wants to uh uh uh, uh you know stand on a rooftop of a battleship and say that the mission is accomplished if you will 
And uh, so this is reminding me back when I was a little boy and, you know, I, I was a little boy in the early seventies. I remember sitting in the back of my, my parents' car uh, waiting for gas to fill up a gas tank. I, I vividly remember because it was like, and you would have had 000. a, you would have had a wood paneled car as well, wouldn't you back in the day? Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it was a station wagon uh, just <laughs> for, for, the, for the record um, without air conditioning for crying out loud because they didn't want to run it and, you know, run down all the fuel. Anyway, Long story short, what we're feeling right now, and, 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 and you know, 50 years later, here we are, 50 years later, feeling the same type of pressures. Uh, I'm wondering if this is reminiscent of back in the 70s and the Fed is going to, you know, if they're, they're very, very cognizant. And I think that's why, you know, the this inflation data that we're seeing is so vitally important. I think moving forward, you know, even more so than jobs, um, although jobs is going to have a you know big big factor into this, I think inflation is going to be a really key component of what market watchers are looking. What are your thoughts on the inflation data that we got and moving yeah. forward? Well, one summer doesn't make us. One one swallow doesn't make a summer, should we say? And we do look at the <laughs> PCE numbers far more intently. Uh, we take stuff out of that CPI basket. We take stuff out of the PPI numbers, which come out later this week. There's going to be PPI revisions this week as well, and we're going to put that in. At the current run rate is is kind of around about 29 basis points for the PCE month for month, which is on core, which is a little bit hotter. Um, it yeah, obviously it says no way are we going to get a cut in March. Uh, it probably favours June. I was saying that May was probably the default situation. I'm probably saying now, given that the unemployment the unemployment rate is, is strong, the labour market's in rude health, uh, consumer confidence is is is, rally, is moving up quite sharply at the moment. Um, yeah, real wealth, real yeah, little real wages and various factors, and you've got to say there's, there's just no real reason for them to, to 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 ease on policy anytime soon. So June seems to be the sort of default situation. Um, but look, I mean, what's important for me is, is you could go and look at inflation swaps, uh, Blake, and, and people can actually um, trade um, inflation per per month. Um, and yeah, look, the, the market is expecting, and that market could be wrong, um, but the market is expecting another month of, of, of pretty hot CPI numbers. And then maybe next, uh, the following month is also going to be fairly, fairly strong. And then it should dissipate to the point where... Um, the market is believing that by the October of this year that we're actually going to get headline inflation, CPI that is, below 2%. So we're in for another couple of months of, of, of pretty rocky inflation. Um, and obviously, these things aren't linear. It just doesn't go down, although it has so far. Um, but now we're in a situation of, of, of rocky price moves. Um, and then it should start, well, the market's expecting it to go down to sort of 2% um, by October. So that's where we are. That's market pricing. It's not my view. Um, yeah, well, I think it's interesting, Blake, because we've been talking about the idea that we should be focused more on growth uh, dynamics and growth uh, data points, and the market's going to be more sensitive to that, and we use that in our risk management assessment. But it's clear that, that the inflation genie is still very much in the market's eyes. And, and so the next inflation number, obviously, we're going to look at those core PCE numbers at the end of the month, but uh, the next CPI print, which needs to be on everyone's radar and, and put it in your diary, uh, is on the 11th of March. So that's going to be probably, uh, I'd imagine people are going to be buying volatility around that one. So one for the diary. Send it around. Anyway, let's go to that's the setup. Right, let's go to US 500 um, or the S&P. Um, we can bring that up. I've got the weekly chart, Blake. Obviously, we don't trade off weekly charts, do we? But uh, yeah, it gives us good insights um, uh, around sort of the, the sort of big picture flow, the 
how this is all going. I mean, we've we've rallied 14 out of 15 weeks. You know, if it, if it sounds like a bull market, if it quacks like a bull market, it probably is a bull market. Um, and uh, look, obviously, so we've seen you can see the red candle on the last one. We've we've had a we sort of just extended past the measured move of, of the prior run, um, and therefore, I think if we look at last week's low, I can't actually remember what it is, but you can see in the in the prior weekly candle, I think if we break those lows and then we break through the five week moving average, um, I think that would be significant. That's when you know if you are looking for short positions. Um, that's where you're probably going to see the volatility moving up. You're going to get the VIX into a sort of 17, 18%. It's going to stay around those levels. You're going to see less buyers in the market. Um, but that would be the point where I'd be looking at shorting opportunities in this market and a little bit more, uh, a little bit more aggressive. Right now, people are buying pullbacks, sell-offs of one-day affairs. Um, if those lows hold, yeah, I think we're building. I think we knew new, new all-time highs. But um, you know, I think given that measured move, uh, I, I think if, if we break last week's lows, um, that's where I think we yeah I think we are going to see better shorting opportunities. What what are you seeing here? Well, um, I I uh, uh, can we go into the next chart? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Uh, no, I, I same, same. you know there the S and P. Let's let's face it, the S and P is holding up better than other averages, and um, I, I think you still have to be respectful of the fact that we're trading well above the forty eight. 20 level, which is the big breakout point. And I think you're right to point out the weekly chart and just to show everybody where we're at. Problem that the markets have, technically speaking, in my opinion, is that we're seeing divergent relative strength. And I think that is like the bigger issue at hand from a technical point of view. These rallies are are on divergent strength, and that means it's it's heading higher on less strength. Uh, but overall, you know, I, I think there are so many levels that have to be tested on the way back down um, to really worry any bulls at this point. And you're right. Dips are being bought and they're being bought well, in a shallow, shallow market. Yeah, I like it. And the video is going to be a big one. I think our producer has been pretty kind in giving us a, a bit more time on uh, time on that clock there. But um, I'll tell you, what, why don't we um, why don't we actually have a look at that divergence? Let's go, go into the, your, your, your Dow Jones chart, see that, see that, that relative divergence that um, I think I is obviously pretty key there. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, you know, t- taking a look at the, the Dow, um, the Dow, you'll notice that, you know, I say prey on the week. Uh, I, a couple of weeks back, Chris, you asked me what my favorite chart patterns were. And we were talking about flag patterns, if you recall, nice continuation patterns. Yep, my favorite reversal pattern happens to be an ascending wedge or a descending wedge. Descending wedge, if you're looking for a reversal going the other direction, going higher. In this case, we have an ascending wedge in the Dow and the Dow broke down yesterday. So I'm gonna give you a number. Uh, this is what I'm looking at because we, but you know, I say prayer on the week because the Dow is underperforming, you know, if you take it compared to the S&P or you know the Nasdaq 100, the Dow is going to be the weaker of the three. So, a rally back to 38,600 or higher, basically take us back to Monday's lows, um, right around there. Those are levels which is about 150 points away in the Dow um, that I'm looking for a potential reversal setup for a short trade. I think you can manage your risk pretty well from there because you can put your stops right above the highs. But I think that the Dow, if you want to play the short side of the market, you prey on the week. Chris, this is the divergence. You can see it in relative yeah, strength right here. Okay. What are your I love, thoughts? I, I mean, I, I think, yeah, go go, yeah, find stuff that's that, that's weak and sell it. Find stuff that's strong, go long. I mean, that's always the way. 
I talked about the US 500, the S&P. I think yeah, the, 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 the sell-off, um, and, and we talked about those, those last week's lows being quite important. That would reconfirm that maybe you'd gone a little bit too far from that measured move. Obviously, if the Dow's going down, you're not going to have the S&P going up by, by much. So they're all going to sort of move in unison with, with different beaters. So look, I think it's a really interesting pattern. I mean, it, you know, obviously, when you break a, break a trend, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a, a collapse, but just, you're obviously seeing a change of behavior. And I, I, I like these patterns as well. I mean, obviously, you've seen a, an exhaustion playing for a bit of a battle to, to push for a price up. There's been a change in structure in the market. Um, and now we just need it to give way a little bit. So, yeah, it needs a bit of work, but um, it sort of goes in line with what we've been seeing in the US 500. If we break those lows from last week, you know, I think both of them are going to move um, at different paces. And again, I think it just comes down to that NVIDIA situation. You know, it's not just about interest rate expectations. I mean, that's a massive part of what's happening in in equities and, and various factors. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a great setup and it, it just puts you on notice, isn't it? I mean, it just tells you, Put this on the radar. Put this on notice. There could be a change of structure, which gives um, yeah better insight for for the short sellers out there. Those you know the sort of risk bears that come through. So an interesting one. Good work, um, Dolly N. Blake. We talked about it earlier. I want to bring up the uh, I want to bring up the chart because um, I just want to visualise what we've been talking about there. You know, got the um, the big breakout that we saw from the CPI print. We didn't see too much. We got into one fifty one pretty much. Um, you know, we saw Kanda and, and Suzuki yenteventioning, <laughs> call it that. Um, and look, I mean, it's, it's it's a strong trend. People love being long this pair because you get paid. The CTAs along um, Dolly along this through futures. Um, the question here is, I mean, I, I, it feels like when you when you're talking probabilities, does this go higher, sideways, lower? That's all we can do is we're tra- we're looking at peripheral vision and, and trying to assign a, a value as to a probability as to where it goes. It feels like this strength that we've got, at least with price, you know, being contained down into that five-day exponential moving average, and you know, obviously the trend is pretty clear, is that we do go into those November highs. I think around sort of one was it one fifty one ninety around that kind of region. So yeah, you can just see it out at one fifty two, right? One fifty two. Yeah, I mean, um, don't be a dick for a pit, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But there we go. So I mean, I think if we were to get into those into those highs, whilst uh, tactically, then you come into your your playbook, which you're talking about intervention risk and headline. I mean, if we get into that, and again, it's always the rate of change that that really really important for the Bank of Japan and Ministry of Finance. As you can see, I've got the two day rate of change at the bottom. That's what they look at is the rate of change. And they want to step in front of it. So that's why I think you know not only is the rate of change the best momentum momentum indicator you have out there, um, but what are you thinking on this one? Well, uh, so first of all, I agree with you, and and um, it, it looks really bullish. If you if you just um, it it looks like a bull flag pattern. Actually, I have it drawn as a bull flag pattern on my charts. Um, what that does project to is above one fifty four. It's like one fifty four eighty. Depends, you know, kind of somewhere one fifty four fifty to one fifty four eighty. That's that would be be the actual target of of the uh, flag, which is also one hundred twenty seven percent extension of this entire uh, second half of your chart. So one of the other things I want to point out is if you go all the way back to 2022 highs, it is also at 152 or 151.90s. And then you have this other 151.90s here at the um, you know end of 2023. So you got 2022 highs, 2023 highs, and then here we are coming up to it. That's called a wedge. It, it, it's actually a wedge breakout. So the breakout could really increase that rate of change that Chris is monitoring down on the lower panel of that chart. And that's when it gets the attention of the BOJ. And again, if I was the BOJ, 
and I wanted to take advantage of this because you know when the when the BOJ moves on monetary policy, they're very well aware that no matter what they do, even if it's a small tweak to yield curve control, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna attract yen buying probably pretty aggressively. So doing it from a higher level in the dollar yen, meaning a weaker yen position, and tweaking monetary policy will strengthen it off of the lows, or in other words. The dollar yen would hit 152 to 154 and then reverse. So that's if I was the BOJ and I was thinking how the markets are going to participate in this, that's what I'd want to see. I want to see a move above 152. I'm going to tweak yield curve control. Then we see a reversal from there. But yeah. from now until then, it we'll looks we'll like see. the dollar yen wants to see above 152. Well, it's, it's the Bank of Japan who do the yield curve control changes. It's the Ministry of Finance who will do the... The currency intervention. That's why we look at Canada, yeah. who is uh, so. The, yeah, obviously, there's a bit of a difference. It, you're right. So if you're you right. need there, to, if you need there, to be, if we need to be absolutely pedantic about the situation. <laughs> yeah. No. Go. No. And you're and you're right. Um. And I think I think I think you're exactly right. And and it's interesting. I'll move on after this. I was just having a conversation with one of our one of our one of our forex analytics uh, team members who had been in a bank trader for the last you know several years in Japan. And uh, his name's Kay, and Kay is like, he's like, hey, you know, the, it feels like the market's challenging the Ministry of Finance right now. So, yeah. And anyway, hey, uh, I'm going to bring us to the last setup that's going to be the Euro Aussie. And I love this setup, Chris, because we're in an inflection point in the pair. And uh, here, just going to be crossing the wires just here in the next hour or so. You're going to get Australian employment, so I'm 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 wanting to bend your ear and ask you what your thoughts are as we come into this Aussie employment. But the setup is really great because we had this descending channel. Uh, it's been since the summer of 2023. You can see how it's it's just kind of kept the Euro Aussie in line. What's really interesting is the Euro Aussie tends to break higher when there's risk aversion. You know, if people are more risk averse, the Euro Aussie tends to move higher. Um, Obviously, with stocks at current levels, you wouldn't expect the Euro-Aussie to be as up against channel resistance, but it is. So the fact of the matter is, if we break above that resistance level, which comes in around 166.20, um, last I looked, 166.20, it's about that trend line, that'd be an upside break. Weaker uh, Australian data could weigh in on that. Flip side is, stronger Australian labor uh, data should push this pair back below the 200 DMA, which should create some selling. So it's a setup. I think it's set up perfectly going into the, into like, as you're watching the show. So what are your thoughts here, Chris? I don't think the employment data, I mean, obviously it's really important. Um, uh, and the RBA do look at it obviously very closely. And, but I, yeah, the market just, just deals with it very, very quickly. And it moves on. It's one of those data points, which, yeah, in the US, obviously with payrolls, we look at that really closely, but in, in Australia, we, we Depending on the outcome, you can get these really crazy prints um, that, yeah, the Aussie will move 20, 30, maybe even 50 pips off the bat and then come back and then we just move on to, to other stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm not too concerned about uh, the data. Um, it, yeah, I mean, that's the bottom line. Is and But, yeah, I mean, I think when when you're trading this pair, it's it's the euro is a funding currency. So that's why it does well in these times of when volatility picks up. The, the funding currencies um, tend to do quite well because yeah, people are unwinding those carry positions that are coming through. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah, if the equity market rallies maybe and, and China is looking a little bit better at the moment. We are seeing inflows into China, China funds. Um, when those markets reopen, I mean, if you have a look at the, the price action in the CSI, uh, sorry, the 
the, 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 the A50 market, the CN50, um, it's looking a little bit more constructive. Maybe if we were to see equity markets in China staging a bit of a rebound, iron ore prices find a bit of a bit of love. Relative terms of tradable matter, and, and maybe we'll get the uh, the Aussie appreciating, but we're at key levels, agree, and, and we'll just be watching and reacting to the price moves there. So again, all of these fundamental factors that I can say, they're all very hypothetical, and we've got to look at correlations to understand the sensitivity. Mate, what do we do? We, we trade price. We trade price and try and keep it simple. Um, just just react to the flows you're seeing in, in, in the price action, I think, is, is, is always the way when you're seeing something like that. We'll see. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Right, Bitcoin. <laughs> it's hard to, yeah. This the, we're we're in the we're in the eye of the storm right now, and we Blake. I mean, um, I've got the weekly chart just to sort of show uh, show what's going. on. I don't want to bring a logarithmic chart up. Um, I mean, it's 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 found some form, isn't it? But it's not just Bitcoin. It's Ethereum is is absolutely gone for it. Um, yeah, some of the altcoins, the smaller coins, are, are, are just they're all finding a base. They've moved higher. They're breaking out. They all look really good. The whole scenes in in you know, doing quite nicely at the moment. It's probably one of those things where you 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 choose a coin and, and you go with the highest beta one because liquidity is going to be less there, less good. And you know, if you if you're bullish, then you're going to get more bang bang for a buck in terms of percentage move in some of the smaller coins. But yeah, Bitcoin's the one that that we see the bulk of the business in with 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 Ethereum. Um, I think pullbacks are buying opportunities. You know, you've you've got a FOMO move now. I mean, we're just seeing the the levels of of inflows into into Bitcoin ETFs has been. It started off quite underwhelming, and now it's actually got pretty high. I mean, I think the BlackRock ETF's got about $5 billion of, e of, of, of flows in there. So, yeah, the, the ETF side of things is clearly go. That that works well uh, probably for the adoption story. I think if you look at network um, usage, it's, it's much hotter in, in, in Ethereum than in Bitcoin. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, this is a chasing vehicle. This is a FOMO vehicle. There's, there's very few... Uh, markets which do it better than Bitcoin, and right now you're in the eye of the storm. I don't want to give you a price target because I, I think when you get these FOMO moves, it's price targets are irrelevant. You just sort of hold and, and try and get as much out of the trade. But right now we're in; they're all going up, and I think that's the the, the right direction. I think pullbacks will be nicely supported here. I think you said hodl, hodl. <laughs> I, uh, well, you can do. I mean, I, I, I think these things can be can be, can be well traded two way, but um. Yeah, I, I'm not a hold. If, if, if the market starts rolling over and you see signs that it's time to get out, get out. I mean, don't, I don't, it, don't fall in love it, with anything, mate, to be honest. It, it is crazy, Chris. I, I, you know, I was really had a bunch of bids around the mid 30,000 level. I was really hoping uh, to see, you know, and obviously up. now it's a move story. Chase the market. Chase it. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's scary to do, but sometimes you got to just, you know, hold your nose and close your eyes and, you know, hope for the best. Anyway, um, Crazy, crazy move that we've seen in Bitcoin and Ethereum catching up today, actually. Um, all right. My play of the day is going to be the Euro Swiss. And uh, this has been one of those. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a little harmonic love. This is a Gartley pattern that's setting up now. It's a bearish Gartley reversal level at the 200 DMA or that descending trend line, which is highlighted in blue. Um, but this has been my biggest position or one of my biggest positions uh, in and out over the court, I say in and out because I've had other positions surpass it briefly, um, but since December, and I've been holding a long Euro uh, a Swiss, but with Switzerland CPI that came in way weaker than expected, then, you know, obviously US CPI, it's put the dollar Swiss on an upward trajectory, and you can almost trade it through the Euro Swiss, Swiss yen, 
however you want to trade it, um, the, the Swiss has been punished and it looks like it's going to continue. So I'm looking for a move up towards about 95, well, where the 200 DMA is about 95.70. I'm going to have to reassess, but I think there's a lot of room between where we're currently at, which is uh, about 50 pips. And 50 pips in the, in the Euro Swiss is not chump change by any stretch of the means. So um, it's holding a breakout point. It looks like it wants to continue higher. Once we get to that trend line and that 200 DMA, it will have to, um, like I said, I'm going to reassess because Gartley's, when they fully blossom, they turn into butterflies. And that's just a little harmonic love for you. Mate, I like it. You know what? There's there's, over, there's clear evidence that the Swiss National Bank are intervening in the effects market. They, they're curbing the, the, the recent Swiss franc. We've seen that in site deposits and other factors. So they're, they're, they're actively pushing for a weaker um, Swiss franc. And what is interesting from a tactical perspective is, yeah, if you have a look at the March meeting, um, th th there's a little bit being priced, but eight basis points of cuts being priced uh, there. But the Swiss National Bank may surprise in that meeting um, and, and try and get ahead of a rate-cutting cycle from the ECB. So they're doing that in the currency markets. My best guess is they won't do it, but there's a, there's a possibility that the market will run uh, short Swiss franc positions into that on the potential that we don't want to be caught short. If they were the first central bank to go, they need to be watched. I think that March Swiss National Bank meeting, I think, could be a really interesting one. And I think the market will be running short Swiss franc positions into that. They're already doing so. Uh, and, and I think that's going to benefit your trade. So, yeah, good. I like it from a fundamental perspective there as well, Blake. Really good. Thank you. Anyway, uh, thank you for everyone um, for watching the show. And of course, um, for the power to the people, for voting us for the, the the Social Champion Award. We really appreciate it. It loves it. It's very humbling to be recognized for that. Um, and we'll actually get guys next uh, for next week for more of the trade-off.